Good morning from Northeast by Midwest. You've reached Jonathan Jones. Welcome. Well, on this wild Wednesday, we're going to do part two of a forever high priest. A forever high priest. Yes, Jesus is the forever high priest. So, if you didn't get a chance, go back and listen to part one, uh, which was Monday. And I want to kind of just uh, tag along today with part two. I want to read uh, some scriptures um, out of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we as a church have been working through the book of Hebrews. And would never, if you have a good church or you listen to some good pastors or whatever it is, uh, would never want to take you away from them, obviously. Um, but you're welcome to check ours out. And if you don't have a good church, you can watch with us, um, join in at any time. So we've been working through Hebrews. We're actually uh, just finishing chapter 6 and working into chapter 7. And so where we kind of left off uh, last time was talking about a little bit about what the high priest did and then reminding us now why Jesus is a better high priest. So I just want to read a few things that we actually haven't tackled yet as a church. As we talked last time, we were in Hebrews chapter 5. Um, And now we're into chapter 6 and we're moving into chapter 7 next. And so we kind of ended last time around the idea that Jesus in Hebrews 5.10 being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So there's this uh, gentleman in the Old Testament in Genesis 14 that meets Abraham. And uh, last time we talked a little bit about the different high priests that you would see in the Bible. And this guy is called the most high priest or the priest of God. And so Jesus is after a different order, the order of Melchizedek. And now the writer of Hebrews is going to come back to this guy Melchizedek and the office that he held and ultimately why Jesus is greater, you know, than Aaron, Moses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we'll, we'll see some things, um, you know, like in Hebrews 7.26, Uh, The Bible will say these words. So this is in the middle of the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, since since he did this once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints his son, who's been made perfect forever. So the idea is is simply this, that the high priest would go, if I was the high priest, for instance, or you were, but we'll just take myself for, for just for instance, then I would offer sacrifices for you, your family, the nation, et cetera, et cetera, and for myself. Well, Jesus didn't have to offer sacrifices for himself because Jesus is the son of God. He is perfect. He did not sin. But he did offer sacrifices for people, and not just for one, but literally the Bible says a propitiation for the whole world. And so in Hebrews chapter 8, then the the Bible will go on and say this. Now the point that we're trying to say is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne in the majesty of heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this high priest also to have something to offer. And so it's 
it, it really is a, a beautiful and and yet extremely intriguing uh, truth and, and concept. And I think especially for those of us that, that have maybe grown up in the church or grown up in Christianity, and maybe you, you stumble upon this podcast and you're not even familiar with Christianity. You have a little semblance of religion or, you know, something. Um, you know, you know the idea of someone offering uh, a sacrifice for someone else is not a new idea. What Jesus did, though, was something that was very different than, than any really any religion or anyone had ever done before. And that is Jesus did not have to offer sacrifices for himself. And because of that, he didn't need a sacrifice personally. However, he became the sacrifice for us. Um, you know, Paul will put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, who who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, you know, when you think about that, you think about just the power, ultimately the power of Christ and the things that, 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 that Jesus has done and who he is. It's amazing. And, and I love that because, um, right there in Hebrews eight, and we'll kind of take a deeper dive into this as a church, um, but ultimately, you know, it will kind of finish um, the, the first part of chapter 8, verse 4. And it says, now, if he were on the earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to this pattern. And then verse 6, it says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that's much more excellent than the old covenant. He mediates it better since it is enacted on better promises. And so, you know, really, as you get into chapter 7 and 8, and then even further, just this idea of the superiority of Christ, that's probably maybe the best way to describe the book of Hebrews, the superiority of Christ. Because of who he is, he is the second person of the Trinity, the son of the living God. Um, he He is the rightful king. He is the rightful priest. And he is the rightful prophet. He's the prophet, priest, and king. He fulfills all three offices. And so right now, the writer um, in the book of Hebrews has really spent quite a bit of time focusing on on that that second office, if you will, the, the priestly office. But he's not divorced it from the kingly office. And so it's interesting, isn't it, that we, we have a, a priestly king, a kingly priest that is in heaven. Um, what a what a wonderful and and an incredibly powerful concept. And so you know, if you're familiar with uh, the book of Hebrews, you know in chapter four, uh, the Bible will say uh, we are able to enter the throne of grace with confidence and ask for you know mercy and grace and help in time of need. And so you kind of understand the forcefulness of that now because. We, we, we don't have to go to someone else. You know, you, you don't have to go to your pastor or your deacon or your elder. And, and, and if you're a Christian, you don't even have to go, you know, to your kids or your parents or your grandparents or your best friend. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to any of those people. Please don't misunderstand. There's situations in which it's very good to go to all of those people for certain things. But not for mediation before God. We don't need that. They can't offer us anything. I can't offer you any mediation before God any more than you can offer yourself. I can pray for you. I can encourage you. I can call you to salvation. But the reality is, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, only you 
for you can go before the throne of grace and ask for help in time of need for you. Now, I can pray for you, sure, and you can pray for me, absolutely. But only you can go before God for you in the sense of you doing that. And that's a wonderful privilege that we have. And so, you know, the Bible will continue on with this beautiful, beautiful teaching in the book of Revelation. And it's something I don't think we talk enough about. Jesus will actually bring it up. He'll say these words um, in Revelation 1. He'll say, Grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne of God. So maybe something we'll have to take a deeper dive into at some point, seven spirits before God's throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and his firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now listen to this, verse 6, Revelation 1. And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming. So the reality is not only do you have this privilege and opportunity, but it, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful courtesy and blessing, but it's also a command. The reality is you are your own priest. And so just like the priests in the Old Testament, just like what Jesus did, they had to go before God on behalf of men and had to talk to men on behalf of God. You now are your own priest under the great high priest, Jesus. And so you get to go because of him before the Father. You don't have to take a lamb with you. You don't have to do all these sacrifices. You don't have to go through all the rituals. You can go directly to the throne of grace and ask for help and mercy and and blessing and encouragement in times of struggle and in times of need. Wow. I mean, you know, so I, you know, I think it's very simple, but it's extremely powerful today. Whatever you have going, if you're a Christian, take it to the throne of grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. And so we're not standing or we're not going before God's throne and standing or sitting there and praying and saying, hey, you know, I hope I'm worthy of this. No, that's what grace is about. We're not worthy of it and and we don't deserve it. And yet God will still give it. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect in our lives. No, but we can be reminded that, that, that he cares for us and he loves us and we can go take our burdens to him. You know, Peter will kind of have this idea in mind when he says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so I want to encourage you today, you know, if you've got heavy burdens or struggles, things that you're going through, take this high priestly, high key, kingly priest ministry of Christ, this priestly king, and take it seriously, you know, personally, that you go before the throne of grace and the Apostle Paul tells us that we pray that he prays without ceasing, that, that he, he, he almost never stopped. And so what a wonderful blessing and encouragement. And if you don't know Christ, you know, or you're not sure of these things, friend, trust in him today. He came for you. He lived. He died. He was buried. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. He rose again. And the reality is there is a kingly priest in heaven awaiting to come back to take us to be with him, to remake the earth. And the reality is you too can have that same confidence to approach God the Father, not on your own merit, because I don't approach on my own, but on the merit and the work of Jesus Christ alone. I would beg of you to come to Christ, reach out to me. And Christian, go before the throne of grace, do it for yourself, go there for others, and leave it at the throne. Well, I pray that's an encouragement to you today, that you have an awesome wild Wednesday, a great hump day, and that this kingly priest idea 
just gets you a little more excited to dive into the book of Hebrews. For Northeast by Midwest, I am Jonathan Jones. Have a great day.